Many of us have herpes. Welcome back to another edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. This is the critically acclaimed, uh, I don't know what we're going to call it. I was thinking maybe just like remember some crap. Because Mike and Andy reminisce about some crap. It's, it's just too long. But anyway, long. it debuted last week. Uh, Spotify, I got um, I got a message from uh, some Swedes that Spotify had to uh, buy some more servers to handle all the traffic. So yeah. that's a good sign. Um, so anyway, so it's uh, this is the podcast. Uh, Mike and Andy remember some crap. And with me is Mike Donahue. Mike, how are you doing? Andy, good to, good to see you. Mike is uh, available on Twitter at at Hugh Cub. Thank you. Okay, so basically, for anybody who didn't tune in last week, and if you didn't, you should just pause this, go back, listen to last week's. When you get done uh, laughing, um, rest up a little bit and listen to this one. But basically, the idea is uh, we just start talking about uh, stuff, and we just see where we end up. And it's because it's bear season, we are loosely kind of following along with the bear schedule. So last week, um, we told stories about... um, Mike trying to get a foul or a a ball from Steve Howe at Wrigley in a Walter Payton jersey. I told the story about my first ever Walter, my first ever Bears jersey, and it was Roland Harper. I'm not ashamed about it, a little. So this week, Bears are playing the Giants. So I want to ask you, Mike, who's your favorite all-time New York Giants coach? Oh. Oh wow! Um... There's a lot of good ones to pick from. I mean, the one that jumps out, of course, because I'm a child of the 80s and the Bears were great. And, of course, Parcells, but I didn't like him because the Giants were good. I didn't hate him, Parcells, like I did Bill Walsh. And I didn't really hate Joe Gibbs, but I resented um, you know, how much he owned the Bears after the Bears went and surprised the hell out of him in the 84 divisional round yeah. in RFK. But Parcells, really, the Bears and Giants didn't really score off that much until – did because bears were over the hill in the playoffs in 91. So, uh, Jim Fassel jumps out mm-hmm. because he took them to a Super Bowl, the only one that they've lost, I believe. Um, and I, I can't readily recall some funny anecdotes about him, but in spite of him taking the Giants to the Super Bowl, I think there was plenty to enjoy. I'm, I'm gonna have to go, I hate to do it just because it, it stands out, and I hate this guy. So I don't know if I, I mean can it can it be my favorite? But the one that kind of jumps out is just the sort of like picture a character on Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, like the claymation, <laughs> and then and the nose the nose itself is like bright red and about to fall off from frostbite, and it brings me back to Tom Coughlin. Yeah, I know he won two Super Bowls, but there's something of in spite of that, uh, he was kind of a comical red ass. And uh, and because he kind of looks like looked like a cartoon character in that playoff game, takes me back. I'm probably missing somebody because you sprung that one on me. I don't. I probably couldn't even go through all the uh, Giants coaches, but uh, that's the inventory. And I'll just go with uh, Coughlin. So Coughlin's a good choice. Um, what I remember most about him, I, I think it's exactly what you were describing. It was that NFC Championship game in Green Bay, where it was brutally cold, and he kept slathering. He um, he didn't wear didn't wear a mask because he's a man. Kept slathering Vaseline all over his face, and the Vaseline was like freezing to his face. And the Packers won, <laughs> on a, or the the Giants won on a last second field goal. Mm-hmm. That's the reason I actually could tolerate Coughlin because he cost the Packers a trip to the Super Bowl. So I like that. And uh, his 
he had that typical he's he's the epitome of the football coach who thinks he's a military person for sure the whole if you weren't if you weren't five minutes early to a meeting you were late it's like no that's bullshit if you set a meeting for noon people should get there at noon not 11:55 if you want to start at 11:55 make the meeting at 11:55 but my favorite giant coach is Ray Handley oh god the <laughs> a blip on the radar the successor to Bill Parcells who yes. after his second Super Bowl in 90 um they so basically Parcells retired Belichick takes the job in Cleveland which and so the Giants then put uh, put that it wasn't really a dynasty, but they they gave the keys to offensive mastermind. Uh, Ray, Ray. Well, they'd won they'd won two Super Bowls in four years, so five. Yeah, I guess five. Right, to ninety. Cause, okay, because ninety that right. Well, it was the ninety season. Eighty-seven, eighty-eight, eighty-nine. Nine. Yes, I hate calendars. Confuse me. Um, <laughs> So, so two and five years, but that was, as we know, because we lived it, that was when the NFC was brutal. You had Correct. some of the best teams in football history were all playing at the same time. The mm-hmm. the Bears, who do get a lot of shit for, for only winning once, but that was an awesome team that just could never find a quarterback to prop up. Right. Um, then, obviously, you had the Bill Walsh 49ers, the Joe Gibbs Redskins, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the Parcells Giants all beating mm-hmm. the crap out of each other, while the Broncos would skip into the right. Super Bowl. And later, the letter on the Bills. <laughs> go, right. Go, look at our dynasty. Your dynasty sucks. Your dynasty wouldn't make, get out of the divisional round in the NFC. That's why you were getting beat 50 to 10, 55 to 10. Every, every season, every season beginning in 84. And ending, of course, when the Packers blew it in yep. the uh, 97 season. So was that 13 years in a freaking row that the NFC and not, not only did they beat the AFC with the exception of that second Giants victory in 1990, a one point win and Scott Norwood's miss. And then uh, two years earlier when Montana won his third over Cincinnati as a four point game. All of those were about 17 point, anywhere from 17 to 30 point. In, right. in, in and, that, and that created the annoying phenomenon of the. I watched the Super Bowl for the commercials. Yeah. So, yeah, you help. watch Super Bowl for the commercials because the games are never any good. Well, now nobody talks about that anymore because, for the most part, we have competitive. They've Super been Bowl. good. It used to be a thing in the 80s where the, the NCAA men's championship game was like off the hook for year after year. You know, Villanova in 85 over Georgetown. Uh, in 87, Keith Smart with the late jumper for Indiana over Syracuse. Danny Manning, you know, wins one at the wire over Oklahoma in 88. 89, it goes into a, a, a f- overtime. Like for years, the, the, the men's title game in hoops was beyond expectations. And during those years, the Super Bowl was the complete opposite. Um, it was, yeah. I mean, we didn't complain in 85, but I mean, it was no. a joke. If, if you think about it, if the, if football had simply seeded its playoffs, regardless of conference, because the AFC and the NFC are pretend, you know, things anyway, think about mm-hmm. how awesome some of those Super Bowls could have been. I mean, you could have had, you know, well, you know, Daryl Green could have run back a punt against the Bears in the Super Bowl and really scarred us for life. But you had all those great teams, and they would just knock each other off, playing in you know sub-zero temperatures some places, um, and then you'd end up with them, you know, getting an inferior AFC team. But, yeah. Uh, anyway, so I was looking at this list of Giants coaches. They have they have two Hall of Fame head coaches in their history, 
And the problem, I don't know, Coughlin, I don't know if 102 and 90 and two Super Bowls get you in, but at least they have two. Two Super Bowls is a good argument. I couldn't have told you who the other one was if you held a gun to my head. So, okay, here's what I know about Giants coaches. Here's what I know about Giants history is that they from and I don't think I brought this up last week when I was crapping on the Lions, but you know they're a charter member NFL franchise played in the first official NFL uh, title game at Wrigley Field against the Bears. They lost. They beat the Bears the next year in the Polo Grounds on wearing basketball shoes, and then they proceeded to lose the next two in a row to Detroit, believe it or not, in Green Bay, and then from that point on, uh, they won one championship in. I want to say 10 appearances. Uh, they were like the Brooklyn Dodgers of the NFL. Like they would, I mean, it almost sounds like what you're just describing in the eighties where, you know, you had, uh, you know, the bears and the Packers uh, and the Rams actually uh, later on the Browns that came out of that division. And it was always the giants and the giants were always losing. So whoever that coach was, and I'm going to say, because they made appearances, um, you know, in, uh, 38, 39, 41, 46, lost them all. Um, whoever that coach was might get it just be, if it was one guy. Yes. So, so it was it was a guy who coached for 22 years for them. He, they, he took them to the playoffs 10 times. And basically from 31 to 53, if you went to the playoffs, you were in the championship game. Usually, yeah. almost always, yes. And it's weird because some years there was a divisional game, some years there wasn't. Correct. The Bears and Packers, the only time the Bears ever played in a divisional game was uh, when they beat the Packers, I think, in 46. So, so this guy was named Steve Owen. That's right. I, you know what? And I never, never yeah. I, I'm sure I've heard the name. It had never registered. So he was 151, 107, and with 17 ties. And he went 2-8 and eight in the playoffs. And there you both, go. Both wins were their championships in 34 and 38. 34 so, and 38, yeah. He would have lost, he he would have played the Bears in four title games. Okay, yeah, 33, 34, uh, 41, 46. Wait a minute, maybe not. What? I love it when I what? do my own math. Well, he would have beat him. So he was so he was there from the beginning. So he would have beaten him in 34, but lost in uh, 33, 41, and 46. One and three. Yes, he went one and three. The the Bears and Giants have played in the have played in the playoffs eight times. Okay. The Bears are four, four and four. Bears are they're four and four. Yeah. Two one and only one and one against each other in the modern in the Super Bowl era. Yes, and they are two uh, memorable games. One much more enjoyable. I don't other. think that, I don't think that second one was memorable, other than it was Dan Hampton's last NFL game. Well, it's memorable for it was memorable for this. the it, The Bears were down ten nothing in the second quarter. They get the ball to the six, and um, to Mike Tomzak is playing quarterback. This is the year mm-hmm, the because Har- Harbaugh got injured. Right. This is the Jeff. So it was back. It was backup quarterbacks in the playoffs. That, it was it was Tomzak against Jeff Hosteller. Uh-huh. And so the Bears are down 10 nothing, getting their brains beaten in, but it's one of those things where, all right, if you punch this in, it's 10-7. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've got a game. Madden even says, um, when it gets to third down, this is the biggest play of the game, because if the Bears score a touchdown here, we've got a game. If not, this could get out of hand. 
Good call. Bear fans will remember that it did get out of hand. First down, they run Neil Anderson for two yards. Okay. Second Neil eight. did not have – Neil ran rushed 12 times for 19 yards in the game. <laughs> um, second down, they run – It's this is how – this is how wonderful the Bear offense was at the time. They run a play where their two primary receivers are their running backs. Neil's running kind of a little fade, and then Brad Muster is running oh. a delayed route out of the backfield. Brad is wide open. He can walk in for the touchdown. Tom Zach um, Holds on the ball too long, has to throw it over Pepper Johnson. It's still a super easy pass because no one is near Muster. Tom's like misses Muster by ten yards. Jesus. Third down, Muster gets it to the to the half yard line, and uh, Mike Ditka, in very decisive fashion, I remember this. No. Doesn't know what to do. He's standing on the sidelines. The kicking team is half on the field. The offense is half on the field, and finally his red ass kicks in, and he's like, "We're going for it." <laughs> they go for it. They give it to Muster again. A fullback who was only a fullback in that he lined up in the fullback spot. He Correct. Was a, he was an offensive fullback. He was um it was back when uh, he succeeded Tommy Vardell at Stanford and they were the exact same guy. And the Bears got Muster. Oh, good pull. So they Tommy give it to Brad and he loses two yards. The Giants go nuts. The Bears basically pack their shit up and go home. They get beat uh, 31 to 3. I've, I don't even remember that. You know, So you must have been a senior in high school because I remember being a freshman at Northern watching it in my dorm room. And I think I just I just remember the final score. Um, it was ugly. You know, you got to accustom. After the Super Bowl, you really started to get accustomed. And you may be seeing this a little bit with the Cubs, even though I hate that comparison, where all right, the Bears are on top of the world in 85. 86, they have a good season. You kind of felt like the Giants' year, but still, the Bears didn't even get to that point. They're 14-2. and two. They lose at home to the Redskins. Next year, have a good season. Finally have a healthy McMahon. They're at home against the Redskins. They lose again. In, in 88, they had the benefit of coaching against Buddy Ryan in the Fog Bowl, so they advance, but then they get thumped at home. And you, what happened was you'd get used to them every year. They would start off 5-1, and 4-2 and two every season, and they would always limp into the playoffs, like 1-3, and 2-4. and four. Ditka's like throwing gum at people and bickering with the press and the players and um, and so even by so even by 1990, you know, it was – the, the area was still bear crazy because they were going to the playoffs every year. 89 being an exception um, when, yeah, went, but in 90 uh, they had, once again, they get gift wrapped with uh, you know, a saints game at home and they win that like they should. And then they weren't even competitive the next year. They lose at home to the Cowboys. So it was just became increasingly depressing. Um, at, you know, the, 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 the bears in the playoffs, you just didn't really have the expectation. It just sort of faded away after 85. But in 85 uh, was the other time that they played the Giants, and it was a, quite a different outcome. Yes, that the game that I, is ironically, despite the fact it was a it was a completely dominant. Well, let's remember for two things. Bears won in a shutout. Mm-hmm. Sean Landetta whiffed on a punt. Correct. No one will ever forget Sean Landetta kicking the ball from the one-yard line, or maybe he was even in the end zone, just completely he was missing it. No, he was the in the end zone. Bound, taking a, a nice little hop for Sean Gale to go in yep. for a touchdown. Yep, thirteen-year-old uh, Huey was privileged enough to actually be at, in attendance at that game, uh, and it happened in our end zone. But of course, we didn't know what the hell happened really for a while. You, might, you probably had some of those guys with the radios on their head could relate eventually. 
Um, it was a really cold day. It was, it was a lot colder than it was for the Rams game. And, and I, I do recall that Dennis McKinnon did catch two touchdowns, but there's not, you know, that that's what it stands out for is Landetta. And I don't know if it was, if he was as afraid of that defense as the Joe Theismans and the Dieter Brocks and everybody who lined up under center. I don't know why he would be. It's a special teams. Yeah. And it could have been the wind, you know. He, oh, he claimed that the wind moved the ball, and that's why he missed it. And maybe, I, you know, maybe it did, but he, that was one of nine punts on the day for Sean Landetta. He yeah. was, he was very busy. The bears could have left at halftime and still shut out the giants. I think the giants were <laughs> completely overmatched. Phil Sims in the game threw for 209 yards. It doesn't sound horrible. He was 14 for 35. He got sacked six times for 60 yards. So they had net 149 yards passing in a game where they couldn't run the ball. They gained less than half the yards the Bears did. The Bears gained 363 yards. The thing, yeah. was, the thing who, was never who, a contest. Who even was their halfback there? Was it Joe Morris? Was he their guy? Yeah, it was Joe Morris. Because it was Otis Anderson when they won it the second time. Yep. Yeah, so I don't remember if this was... Was, is, was this your take that... Some, Somebody that I know, their take is that the Giants and Bears are basically the same franchise. This okay. Is not one of yours. But the idea that they're, you know, the Giants, I think, are five years younger than the Bears. So they're still old. Okay. They're owned by a family. That was the founding family, correct? Yes. And for all of their storied greatness... There's really long stretches where they're just no damn good. Yeah, and I, it, the, it even comes down to on. they both. The Bears have nine championships in their history. The Giants have eight. The Bears, um, they're both under 500 in the playoffs. The Giants are 24 and 25. The Bears are 17 and 19. Uh, the biggest difference in the two is when they won their titles. The Bears won six championships pre 66. The Giants mm-hmm. only won three. Right. And so then the Bears have only added on um, one. Wait a minute. It can't be six and four. They'd have to be, they would have had to have won eight. Uh, they uh, tacked on yeah. one since. 33, 40, 42, 43, 46, 56, 66, 63, 85. So eight. Wow. This Pro Football reference says nine, which gives them one more. So you I'm know why? They're probably giving us the 1932 title game played indoors against the future Detroit Lions, I would known at the time as the Portsmouth Spartans, even though the game was played on 80-yard field. And Bronco Nagurski supposedly scored a touchdown, rammed his big Viking head into the wall, and claimed that the last guy that hit him really did a number on him. All right, I'm taking, so, I'm, I'm taking it. That no, was. I'm going for nine. And it was that game. See, up until 1932, they didn't think you know they needed a championship game. It was based on record, and it was kind of silly because they didn't even count ties. They just threw ties out. So instead of being a half a win and a half a loss, it didn't matter. And I think the Lion, the the Portsmouth team in 32 is the third best team in the league. The Bears were the second. The Packers had the first as far as if you were to do the wins, losses, and ties instead of just wins and losses. So it's not that bad because the Packers got screwed out of But there was a tie, and so it was like an impromptu championship game. And then the league finally, in their infinite wisdom, finally, oh, wow, this is pretty exciting yeah. and maybe a moneymaker. So beginning in 33, they had it. so I'm guessing that pro football reference counts the 32 game, and I will too. So right. yeah, There's nine. A, they have an asterisk next oh, to the God. 
championship yeah. number. And it says fucking Chicago Stadium. Championships include Super Bowls, 1966 to present, and NFL and AFL championships pre-Super Bowl era before 1966. So you're right. So they're only they won two of their titles before there were championship games. So they're six and four in the title in the in the pre-Super Bowl title game, then one and one. So they're seven and five gotcha. in championship games. Okay. And so they've obviously won two of those games back when it was basically uh, like uh, pre-playoff college football, which is somebody just gave you a trophy, and you're mm-hmm. like, "Ha ha, we're the champs!" And since Hallis, you know, right, the team, oh, but- he probably just he was too cheap to he would have had to he would have borrowed a trophy from somebody. He's too cheap to buy one. Sure. And they held it up. Somebody took a picture, and they were the champs. Um, you're right. They they uh, Wikipedia or sports re- or fo- pro football references giving them credit for championships won in the pre championship in the pre nineteen thirty two era. Is that what you're as, saying? As damn well they should. Well, but then the Packers have a few more too. So oh, well, that's no good. I th- I think I'm not looking at it, but I'm pretty sure the Packers won a couple pre bullshit pre championship game titles. Which I don't think that should be counted because, like I said, they didn't even count ties. You're, you're given team can go like three, two, and four, and they take the title over. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, there were a lot of ties. Yeah, the, the <laughs> Giants of- have Giants have thirty three ties in their history. The Bears have forty two. And and I'm sure like eighty percent of those were between before nineteen forty. And a lot of scores. <laughs> In the 20s and 30s, it's funny if you look through it, uh, because I used to do this every year as a kid. We'd get like the media guy, and his, my dad was a season ticket holder, and I would just like comb through each season, just like seeing six to nothing, three to three, another six. Another way that the franchises are kind of sad is, I mean, you know who the Bears' all-time leading receiver is? Let me guess. Is it Brandon Marshall? No. Um, it's Johnny Morris. It's Johnny Morris. Okay, so that's Sorry. that's embarrassing. Marshall right? would have caught him if he wasn't such a goof. Right, right. exactly. Well, he barely. Pl- I mean, he, Marshall almost caught him. I barely know. played for the Bears, like three and a half years. Right, right. Three, right. Not even. I think two and a half. Two and I, a half. Think. I, don't, I don't think he made it into a fourth so, year. The fact that Johnny Morris, the all-time leading receiver, five thousand yards. <laughs> right, <laughs> which really doesn't get the credit it deserves. I think even amongst sports fans, for years we, you know, we laughed about the fact that the quarter, the passing records were held. You know, just not even a full, just maybe one generation before Morris, which you know, laughable. But uh, it, it almost seems underrated that you know their all-time <laughs> leading receiver is Johnny Morris. So the. I was, you know, I'm sure Giants fans probably have the same cringe. Do you know who the all-time? There's no way you're going to guess this. If you guess this, I will be super impressed. If you know all who right. the all-time Giants receiving leader is, uh, is it Frank Gifford? It is not. But I want to talk. He was about a running Frank. back. He was a running back anyway. He didn't. He wasn't a wideout. Uh, it would. Um, it would have to be. I, I guess is it from the same era as Luckman or Morris? Like, there's a whole lot of difference. No, it's far more there. modern. Oh, okay. So I. Okay. Um, but you could have given me it, 15 guesses, and I wouldn't have guessed this guy. Is it Stephen Baker, touchdown maker? It is not. <laughs> is it Mark Ingram or no? Nope. Was that? That's, I, I probably would have guessed. If you just said, "All right, it's it's relatively recent," I would have said, uh, "It's David Tyree." You know, just pinning a ball against someone. Right. No. It's Mark Bavaro? No. It's Amani Toomer. Oh, Amani Toomer. <laughs> of course, the, the inspiration for now Arnold he had, Schwarzenegger. Now, to give Amani credit, he has almost twice as many yards as Johnny Morris. <laughs> wow. 9,000 wow. yards, Amani he Toomer. Stayed, I, I would I, never I, have guessed that. 
the the inspiration for Arnold Schwarzenegger impressions uh, everywhere between 1999 and yeah. 2008 at fantasy football drafts. Oh, yep. Wow. We could have gotten that. I mean, we know him. It's not like he was a guy from the 30s. I know. But I just, well, I actually, if, if you've given me no time period, then there's no way I would have guessed him. I don't know wh- who I would have started guessing. Um, yeah. But, yeah, oh, wow. to me, that was, it was just ridiculous. Their all-time leading rusher was a surprise to me, too. Okay. I, this one makes a little more sense. Uh, all-time leading rusher. Um, see, now I'm, I'm, I'm pressing too hard. I, 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 you know, we already rattled off Joe Morris and Otis Anderson, and neither of those guys stuck around. Well, I'll give you, if, when I give you the clue, it'll be way too easy. But I'll, I'll – I, I can't think. I, it's, it's you know one of those. If it's more modern, I have like less likely to get it right away. He it missed. He missed out on a Super Bowl championship because he retired to host the Today Show. Oh, wait. Uh, Barber Tiki Barber. Tiki. Tiki's right? an all-time leading rusher, ten thousand four hundred forty-nine. You know, so that's pretty funny actually, because neither I don't think Toomer played on either of their Super Bowl winners in the Eli era, right? It's just funny that they have, like, in both of those guys, I want to say, uh, Toomer and Tiki played after the two Super Bowls won by Parcells, but before the two Super Bowls won by Coughlin. No, Amani was on the first one. He was on the other one. He was. Well, I guess, yeah, he hung around long enough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, his last year was, I won't scroll up. You know, I don't feel that much better about, you know, I'm picturing forklift listening to this and like yelling at the computer going, yeah, well, he's the only, you know, he's the only I know, Giants but like, fan. Any but the, of us know. The, the fact is it is in the modern era when the Giants have sort of pulled even with the Bears. So yeah, it would have been a little more fun 30 years ago uh, in our time well, though. So uh, their all-time leading passer is Eli and the Bears, it's one of his contemporaries. Yes. I mean, Jay had almost as much success as Eli. <laughs> <laughs> there were oh, seasons God. there there might be more seasons where where Cutler was better than Eli and Eli has two uh, Super Bowls. Although admittedly, know, Eli pretty goddamn great in those two Super Bowls. He was. Yeah, I mean, so he he I, earned the two he won cuz he was pretty damn good. I got to bring this up though cuz it kind of resonated uh, something my brother pointed out I saw him on Sunday we all congregated at my dad's house for the Bears game. Um my nephew was in from Arizona and he kind of reminded me and I, you know you can remember the recent history with Cutler that the, do you remember the Bears 2011 team? All right, so 2010 they got hot and they kind of put it together and they went to the title game. They lost. Cutler got hurt. And the next year, uh, I want to say they were seven and two. And and my brother's talking, not realizing we were at the same game, but they beat the Chargers that year in the game in which Cutler, I think he oh, broke his thumb. thumb. Yep. And it was and like my brother was like recalling at the time, like with with a lot of lucidity. And I think I, I kind of remember the same thing, especially because they went to the title game yep. the year before. That's how close they were. And you think about it, like they really were on a fucking roll. And, and they paced the Chargers are good and Rivers yep. came to town and they the Bears just owned them. They went to seven and two. They're running away with it. And like ever since that point, I mean it's it's a pain point to bring up. Uh, but it did kind of make me think about it a little bit more, how close, you know, it actually did. You know, had he not gotten hurt that season, how different things really would have yeah, been. He was Jay was legitimately good that year. Yeah, like, he absolutely I mean, was. He was, and he was doing all the things that you know everybody always claims he never did. I mean, he was, you know, he well maybe he was a, he may have been a little reckless. He was <laughs> he was actually being like a leader on the field, mm-hmm. and you know, kind of yelling at guys, and he was running around and throwing it. You know, he was 
running for first downs and diving for touchdowns and maybe that's yep. you know, but he broke his thumb hit a guy in the helmet with a throw right, right. no and, it was an interception he threw an interception right was it okay he, he went to tackle though, he went to tackle somebody in an interception and broke his thumb yep 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 it's it like, was uh, just run the other way let him score and we'll just go down we'll get our own touchdown yeah they were seven and three after that game um and I mean, they started off hot. Like, remember, they, I remember I went to the first game, they beat Atlanta. They beat them up. Atlanta, the best record of the year before, even though they got, you know, upset at home to the Packers. And that's why the Bears hosted the uh, title game. And I want to say that was Marshall. You know, they added Marshall, too. So for a team that legitimately went to the title game, even though they beat an illegitimate playoff team to get to the title game and an under 500 Seattle team, uh, they were. They were good, and uh, yeah, I'm just looking at it now. They started off actually, you know, one and two, two and three, and then they went five and they were freaking on a roll. And then, and, and an easy part of the schedule was coming up. So even with the injury, you might remember, like, oh, even with this Caleb Haney guy, they just got to win, you know, two out of the next four: Raiders, Chiefs, Broncos. None of them were any good. Seahawks, they lost them all. Well, that um, the playoff win over. The Seahawks, the the Mike Holmgren losing Seahawks. Yeah, Bears beat him twice. Was the most was one of the most infamous moments of the Lovey era, which was he um, he inexplicably called a timeout, thinking it was right before the end of the half. He called a timeout, thinking that the Seahawks would punt, and they were in field goal range. So they just kicked the field. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> it's like, oh, they're not running. The, they weren't. They didn't have enough time. They couldn't have got their field goal team on the field. He called. He missed it. So he I got off the hook. I don't but know why I don't remember that better. Chuck Gittles loses. If you bring up, if you tweet about Lovey ever, <laughs> within two tweets, Chuck gonna, is reminiscing about the time Lovey almost gave the Seahawks three free points in a playoff game. I'm going to pretend to have remembered this vividly just to uh, raise Chuck's hackles. I don't have a clear memory of that. And that's, I kind of do though. I remember kind of thinking it was, yeah, it was mystifying. I'm looking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Looking at it now. I well, mean, granted, I don't remember the, it was a long field goal, but he actually, what happened was Lovey waited too long to call a field goal. The idea of call or to call a timeout, the timeout was fine, yeah. but he let the clock get down to a point where Holmgren's like, well, shit, there's not going to be any time left. We might as well kick. You know, we don't yeah. have to worry about, you know, it, the, the field goal will take up the rest of the half. There's right. no risk now to us. And so right. they got a free field goal where Lovey was hoping to get a punt so that Devin would get, yes. you know, he basically was their offense. <laughs> yes. Hey, put the offense back out on the field. Go get him. Yeah. <sighs> but no. Um, okay, so who's your all-time favorite New York Giant? Um. Okay, let me think about that. Again, I kind of hated the Giants, so I have to walk myself through this a little bit because I don't really have any guys that I liked. I, who I, the person who I hated the absolute most in the 1980s was Phil fucking McConkey. Yes. Oh, that, stu- what a dick. That stupid, stupid mustache. mustache. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's easier for me to think of Giants that I hated, uh, even though, again, as well, I okay, pointed out. It doesn't out, have to be. It's your most memorable Giant. It doesn't have to be your okay. favorite. You shouldn't, have, you shouldn't be able to pick a favorite on a team we don't like. Right, right, because like, yeah, and even though the Giants were a little, the Bears didn't cross paths with them as much as they did the Niners and Redskins, so I didn't have that much antipathy. You know, I did, you know, I did like Strahan, although it was kind of lame when Favre gave him the sack record. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, I'm gonna go with Dave Duerson. <laughs> Wasn't he a Giant? 
All right, not memorable, but that's my. I was still answering the favorable, uh, not not most memorable. Uh, right, most mine, memorable. Go mine's, ahead. Mine's a tie between uh, Ali Hajishik. Oh yeah, and yeah. Willie Mays. Oh hey, good call. Even though it's before your time, um, Ali Hajishik story, and I'm gonna have to sort of Google this at the same time. I want to say that Ali Hajishik, while he was playing for the Giants in the mid '80s, around the time that the, uh, the the Bears knocked him out, uh, got busted for scalping tickets to <laughs> a, a Giants playoff game. So if I can find that, I will, uh, you know, make sure I get it out there. But it seemed pretty funny. I mean, it wasn't like ball players in the 80s. I know they make less than they do today, but it wasn't like they were, you know, hurting. So he took his comp- complimentary tickets and uh, took them to market. That reminds me of a of a very true, very funny um, Ken Reitz quote about the worst thing about being. I don't know if he was traded or cut by the Cubs. He said the worst thing about it was they made him keep his season tickets. <laughs> oh, who said good. that? Ken yeah, Reitz. Ken Reitz said. Ken that. Reitz. I love that. I'm sure it's an. I'm sure you know it's it's a joke he repeated that he'd heard a million times, but I always liked it. No, right. That's sort of a, a universal joke that you can kind of change it around. Uh, by the way, apparently Ali Haji Sheik has been successful at scrubbing the internet uh, <laughs> of, of his infractions. So I'm going to now consider this my white whale. And um, has he scrubbed it as effectively as Rolf Benershka has scrubbed it of uh, footage of him hosting Wheel of Fortune? <laughs> <laughs> or I was gonna—I thought you were gonna say changing his colostomy. colostomy bag. Bag, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or off the nurse I have, I have to—I think I have to have a drink for that one. Hold yeah. on a sec. Yeah, we can try to work in a Fouad Reves reference at some point too. Uh, outstanding. Ralph Bernerska was uh, a participant in, the, I believe, the winning kicker in the in the in, in the uh, memorable AFC divisional playoff game in the '82 season, maybe '81. Dolphins, Chargers. They went when Kellen Winslow yep. kept like dying of exhaustion. Yeah, they had to give him an IV to to resuscitate him after the game. Yeah, and yeah, he ha- that's one of those games that um, when ESPN Classic was still a thing. Maybe NFL Network shows it. Um, that's one of the few like old timey games that if I would see and it had nothing to do with Chicago sports, I would still watch because that game is amazing. It is. They had the hook and lateral play hook and that ladder, the, the first Dolphins thing I think ran of, that actually uh, at, worked. At the end of the first half. And yep. Kellen Winslow had an amazing game, even to the point where, I don't know how many passes he caught, he blocked the field goal. Like, Rolf... The, yes, remember, Kellen Winslow got a black field goal in that game. And it was like a legitimately, like, jumped up in the air and knocked it out of the sky. One, Not like a, the kick was low. Like, he went up yeah, and... Right. Yes. Uh, the kicker that he, the kicker they black obviously was not Bernerska since that was his teammate. It would have been Miami kicker Uwe von yes, Schaum. Yes, Uwe von Schaum. You know, back when kickers had all kinds of exotic names. But Rolf I think you're right. I think Rolf Uwe made. I think Kellen blocked what would have been the game-winning field goal. Okay. And then Rolf made the field goal to win it. Um, but it was a playoff game. They were going to play all night. Yep. So. Yep. It, I don't think it went to a second overtime, it but it, it went late into the first one. It's, but it uh, was, you know, one of those. And then, so the most the most infamous part of that is, so the Dolphins play that ridiculous game, it, or the Chargers Dolphins play that ridiculous game. Chargers win. It's like 
85 degrees, 100% yep. humidity in Miami. The very yep. next week, they have to go uh-huh. to Cincinnati. Yep, yep. And, and it's it was the coldest, cold. coldest playoff game ever played. This, is that a fact? Yes. I remember watching maybe, that maybe the, In fact, see, this is how good we are at this. It may have been topped by that Giants-Packer game. Oh, that that froze, you know, poor old. But those are two of the, the that the Cincinnati, the one in Cincinnati was brutal. I remember watching that as a nearly probably I just turned eleven years old because I'm born in January '72. I remember watching that game and like it stuck with me just the reporting and just like the the smoke coming out of people's mouths. How epically cold that. Yeah, I mean, I think the the Chargers was. woke up, looked out the window of their hotel room. I know there had to be a thermometer on a bank sign somewhere, and they and they had already lost. <laughs> and I I always you know we grew up as Cubs fans and after Ernie Banks, but we learned the legend of him and the, the sad case about how Ernie Banks was the greatest ball player to never play in the World Series, which you know it was a fact. And and it was there are a lot of shitty teams through the years, and some of them would have great players, but like they would all eventually make it i always kind of equated dan faust yeah. to like the, the the ernie banks of the era of that era but what's funny we had this conversation against sunday because i heard a, a fact about stafford and it turns out he's sixth uh i think of co- all quarterbacks but uh the idea of like which quarterbacks have had the most yards and have never played in the super bowl i don't even know if fouts is the leader but stafford's getting up there i don't think he's going to get there anytime soon but i mean i i loved the Chargers as a kid. Chuck Muncie, man, how could you not love those right. specs? I mean, because they had everything going for them. They had they had the awesome uniforms. Yep. Which the uniforms they have this year are they're they're basically back to those. Actually, now they're like the best possible mashup of the cool old the white helmet ones with now they've gone powder blue permanently as their uniform, but they have those those kind of weird gold pants that they wore during the Fouts years. Yep. It's awesome. It's like the most perfect uniform. I know they have no fans, although nobody has any fans this year, so it'll fit right in. Right. But, Doesn't matter. So you had the cool uniforms. You had, the for the time, the most ridiculous offense anybody had ever seen, Eric Coriel. They were just throwing it all mm-hmm. over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought Dan Fouts was cool. You know, he looked, he was this burly, you know, burly guy with the big beard, just chucking it all over the place. And they were always, it seemed like, the 3 o'clock kickoff. The Bears were always on at noon. That was the good old Johnny Morris, Tim Ryan years. On CBS, yep. Yeah. So then we'd get, and for whatever reason, as a kid, I always liked NBC better than CBS because I felt like the colors were better. I liked it because it was more Like the game was brighter. Maybe it was just the stupid little peacock on the logo, but I was always, and um, so I remember I loved the Chargers, and for some reason I loved Dolphin linebacker A.J. Dewey, probably because he spelled his name weird. But so I love those Charger teams, and I was very disappointed as a small child. Although I also thought that was the year that the Bengals had switched to the ridiculous striped helmets, and I remember thinking those were kind of cool too. So maybe I didn't take the title game all that hard. Right. Um, Wait, they actually had it was just Bengals before then. That that was the year they switched. I remember it, it might not have been that year, but it was within a year okay, or two. Okay. Okay. Um, the yeah, old, you're right. The old, Ken, the old Kenny Anderson, and they switched to the. They had the. Um, they really had very basic, boring. They were the well by design. They were basically the Browns. Yeah. Except they had black instead of brown as the second color, and they just right. wore like black uniforms with orange numbers, and then they had the orange helmet with Bengals on it, and then they got really exotic. Right. And why wouldn't you get exotic when you've got a quarterback as flashy as Augustana's very own Ken Anderson? Absolutely, my friend. Um, <laughs> they went to the tiger stripes on the like you know, on the shoulder. Thing yeah. and then the and then the helmets and I was like ooh yeah that's cool because I was you know what eight 
thinking that was the most awesome thing. In fact, I'm positive that I had a Ken Anderson jersey. Okay. I mean, he was pop. I mean, you know, the funny thing is, you look at it now, he was he was a pretty – he was like in his 30s when the Bengals made it to uh, the Super Bowl. He was getting towards the end of his career. Um, yeah, and he, I, had the, I, I like, he, he, looked, he was completely unathletic looking. He had the right. bad mustache. He looked he like also, your friend's dad, yeah. And then he had the bad – you know, like he had the face mask that – you got when you bought like the cheap helmet. He had the same one. It was like the it was basically the the two bar version of the Joe Theismann one bar. Right, right. The sad little you know. And other guys were starting to figure out that you know other styles of face masks look cool, and that one didn't. Ken didn't care. He's like, I don't know, give me my old helmet. I'm going out there and I'm going to throw eighteen times. And see what yep. happens. Yeah. You know what? You're right though. Those Bengals teams beginning in 78 to 81, 9 and 7, 12 and 4, 11 to 5, 10 and 6. But more than that, like you say, like they had, you know, Fouts was flinging it. Muncie was in the backfield. Winslow was the premier tight end in football. And then they had um, John Jefferson was an yeah. elite receiver. And then they had um, uh, Charlie Joyner, who was like an aging veteran, but he was still very useful. And Jefferson left and signed a big fat contract with the Packers. And this is like that period of time that we entered the world and we always assumed the Packers always sucked because they did then. And Jefferson was a bust because they thought, oh, Je- John Jefferson and James Lofton. It's like, oh, well, wait, you're going to have Lynn Dickey throw to him? And um, and then the Chargers just replaced Jefferson with Wes Chandler. Like, they always had like an arsenal. And I and I have a memory of, of them playing the Bears when the Bears weren't that good, and it was kind of exciting, and, and the Bears beat them. It was kind of sh- stunning. And it kind of brings me back to what you're saying about like CBS and NBC. For me, I like the NBC games because they were more exotic. What it meant was that the Bears were at home against an AFC team, which was strange. Like All the Bears games would have been on CBS. Yeah. And then if they went to an AFC city, it was still on CBS, which was struck me as weird because the AFC was the NBC was the AFC network. But if the Bears hosted against the uh, the AFC, then the game would be on Channel Five. So you have like Don Crickey all of a sudden showing up on your TV, and Dan Fouts, and it was like exciting. Like they're in Soldier Field, and the shitty Bears team with John Rivetto at place kicker. I think beat them all the time. <laughs> God, John Rivetto, the worst. He was the kicker after and before Bob Thomas. It's uh, one of those cases where the Bears realized they made a mistake in cutting Thomas too soon and brought him back. So you mentioned John Jefferson, and he only played three years for the Chargers. He Is that right? He, he caught. He gained a thousand yards every all three seasons. His last year with them, he caught eighty-two passes, which in nineteen eighty was like it's insane. Nobody caught a hundred catches, catches in a season. Then I'm pretty sure he caught eighty-two. Passes, which didn't lead the league. I don't know who did, but he he led the league in, in yards with thirteen hundred and forty, and he scored thirteen touchdowns for the second time. He scored in three years with the Chargers. He scored thirty six touchdowns. Jesus Christ! <laughs> and so he rightly wanted to get paid. Yep. And this they, is before free agency, yeah. though. So what happened? Did he get? Did they force a trade? Yes, they traded him to the worst possible place you could trade. A good black football player in 1981. Right, right. They traded him to the Packers. (laughs) Right. And the Packers were not good. They did have Lofton, but like, what do they think? Like, without any kind of an O line and, you know, Lynn Dickey, like I said, was the quarterback and he was probably, he'd been around 10 years. So he never, he never gained more than 830 yards for the Packers. Wow. He caught 39, 27, 57, and 26 passes in his four years there. 
Um, he only scored 11 touchdowns for the Packers. <laughs> they basically ruined his career. So, I actually like that, though, on the flip side, that he did, was absolutely worthless for that team. Yeah, it was so, great for a Bear fan. I'm sure the Packer fans were all excited. Look, we got this awesome wide receiver. This is going to be great. Right. And he's like, but, he's like, wait a minute. This is my quarterback, Lynn Dickey? Right. This shit didn't go but, to work. And he was right. I, it's funny. Now, you talk about that era, and I would like to bring some of the listeners that aren't from this specific window in time because um, – the Packers really were of no consequence. Um, the Bears weren't either until 84. But, like, it's hard to think of that now, right? Because for the last 30 years, they've just basically kept, you know, hanging the Bears from the flagpole. And you know of the history with Lombardi prior to that. But from, like, 1970 to 1990, like, two solid decades, uh, they were a joke. So, yeah, I mean, they yeah, they get Jefferson. I don't, I don't remember the Bears – being really scared of course that was only in 81 so the bears had their own problems but it's funny when you think about it that you know the bears would sweep them in 85 86 87 and it was like well that's how it should always be yeah, and, and it might sound it might I sound wish, strange I wish to people go back to that <laughs> right. but that was it that was like the only window and it really has not been like that for any sustained period whatsoever so i, I imagine that it might strike some younger people as odd that there's a time when we didn't even think about the packers they were so bad. So to to kind of uh, punctuate your point, Lynn Dickey played from, for the Packers from 1976 to 1985. Wow, whole decade. How many winning records do you think the Packers oh. had during that decade? They somehow made the playoffs in 82, but that was a nine-game yes. strike-shortened season, and there were several under 500 teams. The Bears actually blew a lead against Tampa Bay in the last game of the season to finish three and six. But had the Bears actually won that game, they would have been four and five. They would have made the playoffs. So I'm going to say I can't even point to that season because I'm going to guess the Packers made the cheap-ass playoffs. I shouldn't actually uh, denigrate that since the Cubs are going to be in a maybe a weird cheap playoff. But anyway, um, so I'm not even going to say 82 that they did it, and I'm going to say zero. Only one, just 82, 5-3-1. and one. It went 5-3-1. and one. Yeah. I gave them more credit. All right. But and then, and then Dickey had his best year the next year. They went 8-8. Eight and eight. He threw for, at the time, 1983, he threw for 4,400 yards. I, I do. I make, I make fun of Dickey just because it was a weird-looking quarterback, you know, with an Af- with a white afro but he um i do remember him having some a couple like insane seasons late in his career well he, 4, led, yards? he led the league in um yards passing touchdowns and interceptions he <laughs> almost he missed the Jameis by one 32 touchdowns 29 interceptions so you, Kyle, and I were talking about Winston last week, but we stopped doing the podcast once the Bears were eliminated. He did. Winston did indeed become the. Was it? Did we d- determine if he would have been the first, or did we unearth other cases of thirty thirty quarterbacks? I can't remember now, and I'm sad. Um, I feel but, like he was. I think he's the first. I think there might be some AFL guys that did it. I, I think because I, I think Dicky Peyton. Oh, so Dickie did do it. Dickie didn't do it, that. but he. I think he the examples were Dickie only missed it by one. Okay. And it was that year. Um, let's see if Peyton did it. If Peyton didn't do it, I don't think anybody had done it before Jameis. The amazing thing about Jameis was not only did he um, – let's see. Let's, before I get to that. Uh, Peyton, 26 touchdowns, 28 interceptions. 
Okay. That was his rookie year. That's the closest he came. And then Eli, I think, came really close, too. Wow. Um, but Jameis, with his 30-30 season last year, also lost 12 fumbles. Wow. He turned the ball <laughs> over 42 times. Two and a half times a game, almost. Uh, well, I think Jameis is the first 30-30. I think he's the first player to ever throw 30 interceptions. And thir- because Eli well, threw 27. Never 30, got to 30. Regardless of number of touchdowns, you mean? Nobody's ever thrown 30? I, th- I think. Well, let's, you know, I got a freaking Google machine here. I suppose I could look it up. I'm now curious, and like, if there, I would think my first thought is how many Bears are on it, but I'm like, no, because the Bears never really throw the ball to begin with. Well, yeah, the Bears the would just bench. Well, the Bears would bench that quarterback and start four other guys. They would, I mean, they I'm, would mix guessing, in. They'd throw enough I'm, interceptions, but no one right, guy would be allowed. Correct. I'm guessing Cutler's probably certainly in the team photo franchise interest, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Obviously, right? It's like Babe Ruth has the most strikeouts, or. I don't even know if that's oh, true. Oh, here but. we go. This will bring it back. Oh, no, no. Well, I guess if you count the AFL, one guy yeah, never... put, one guy put the interception record out of range. No one will ever. Was it Frank Trapuca? No, it's it, we're bringing it back to last George week. Landa? George Landa? He threw 42 interceptions. Wow. In 1962. So the guys who threw 30, Vinny Testaverde threw 35. So he's like your, he's your okay. NFL Leader. Modern day. Okay. And so I don't know okay. that he threw 30 touchdown passes. No, I don't think so. It would have been in 1998. He threw, that oh, was boy. A... Now, this is a good season. He threw 13 touchdowns <laughs> and 35 <laughs> interceptions. I'm just going to guess that the year is either 1986, 87, or 88. 88. He won five games. Is that okay? Uh, yeah, a lot he... of AFL on this list. Frank Trapuca, we mentioned. He is on there. Kelly. John Hale. Hadle. For um, then, uh, then we get back to the to the Vikings. Fran Tarkenton threw 38 in 1978. Okay. Pour one out wow. for the greatest quarterback in Bears history. Sid Luckman threw 31 in 1947. Wow. In 1940, you knew he was at the end of the rope. Oh. <laughs> I'm just picturing a, an aging. God, Luckman back then. Blanda is on the list again. For the Bears? Um, nope, Houston again. So okay, three NFL. years later. Yeah, he didn't really quarterback the Bears. Al Doro for the New York Titans in 61. Oh, here's a good one. This is a former Bear radio analyst. Jim Hart? Jim Hart threw 30 for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. I don't know if John Dooley listens to this, but uh, I'll have to give a shout-out for Jim Hart being an SIU uh, quarterback. So there. Kenny Stabler and threw 30 in um, 1978. Oh, another one of the great uh, the NB uh, the uh, AFC on NBC quarterbacks, Richard Todd, thirty sure. for the Jets in 1980, and then Jameis. Okay, and then the guys with 29 uh, are both Packers. You already said Dickey, Lynn Dickey, who, near, who nearly became the first NFL or non AFL to do it before Winston, right? And then we had another guy just running it's around, gotta be it's just gotta having be far. fun, right? But how did he do it in, in his regular season games? Is the question. Yeah. Well, he was warming up for the playoffs that year. That was you. When we the third time we're going to circle back to Tom Coughlin's nose um, in that playoff game. That actually was, was 
did Favre have any kind of a mistake that I think he did. Right. Didn't, I mean, it's fun to like make it a meme that Favre always had an awful moment in games that mattered. I think he had one in that, in that game too. The giants uh, title game in 07. All I remember about that game was he clearly did not want to be there. It was too cold. I remember watching the game and it was the way I watch Packer playoff games to this day is I just kind of monitor it. Because they make me, I hate them. They're not as bad as the baseball Cardinals, who I literally will not. The only postseason Cardinal games I've watched, probably since '85, of the Cardinals, were the four that the Cubs played against them. Uh-huh. I just, just don't. It's like fuck them. I don't like them. Screw them. So I've missed on some great moments. I always find out like right away, like um, when um, Travis Ishikawa hits the hits the home run to win the pennant off Michael Walker. So I watched the replay a thousand times. Sure. But I don't live it in real life. It's kind of the way I'm with the uh, with those Packers. And I remember in 07, keeping tabs on the game, and it was close late. You know, everybody yep. thought the Packers it was. Were, it came gonna... down to a win. It came down to the winning kick, and the game was played in the frozen tundra of yes. Lambeau Field. And so I started watching late, and you could just Favre just looks so cold, and like he just he basically is like, I'm old. I don't want to do this shit anymore. <laughs> And that was his last game as a Packer. As a Packer, right. Showed up with the Jets, took a few dick pics, set him off, and then ended up in Minnesota. And he'd had a great season. He threw for 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns. Well, and he had a phenomenal season in Minnesota then, too, right? Up until... (laughs) Yes, he went to the Jets, and he was not good. He was not. He wasn't bad, but he, yeah. Then he went to then he went to the Vikings and was and was very good that year until he threw the ill advised right right interception that cost them a trip to the Super Bowl when he could have easily run for the first down and he's like, nope, I'm old, I don't run anymore, I'm just going to throw. I think it's picked and, off. And, they and I think they were already sort of in field goal range anyway too. I want yes, to say it was very questionable. He would have been better off just throwing it into the turf, but he tried yeah, to but... tried to make a play and uh, and it got picked off. And then he came back in 2010, and Corey Wooten ended his career. Right, which was like the one small, and we can maybe finish on this, but it's just the one small consolation I have to that guy just completely owning the Bears. You know, he took over midway through the 92 season, and we just talked about that era that we grew up in where the Packers were of no consequence. The Bears almost always beat him twice a year. Uh, you, you come to Favre in 92, he's the starter. And then in 93, the Bears split, and then, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98 Packers sweep. They split 99, 2000, and then again, 2001, 2002. And so the Bears did sort of exact a little bit of revenge uh, in 2005 when they had that good first year with a uh, second year under Lovey when they made the playoffs before losing. They, they finally took about 10 years of frustration, at least for the fans, out on Favre in a game that year, but that was just one time. But it was, uh, to me, always very satisfying that the last play of his career was absolutely getting flattened uh, on the on the turf of the uh, the college football stadium because that was the year yes. in 2010 that the Hump Dome collapsed, caved in. <laughs> yeah, so they had to play with the. It's, oh, I just remember the game that um that was the game that Hester set the all time record for punt returns touchdowns. Could be Is that right? Cause I remember I he did it on that icy field. It just the game looked. It didn't look any fun for anybody. It looked cold. It was icy. Well, it's fun for the Bears because we were charging towards the playoffs at yes. least and still playing well. And who was the quarterback? Joe Webb or whatever who was the little guy. That little uh, wasn't that the quarterback in that game for Minnesota? Not Joe Webb. That's the, the cop from Dragnet. Webb, right? Spud Webb. Somebody help me out here. Um, I think it is Joe Webb. Yeah, he was the quarterback. Wait, no, wait. 
I must be confusing you. He must have come in in relief of Favre because Favre got yeah Favre his quit career, literally. His, his he got career ended in the first quarter. That Corey Wooten sack. He's like, I'm done. I'm I've had enough of this shit. He probably went home. He probably Somebody, started driving to Mississippi before the game ended. Back when the Discipio message board was a living, thriving organism, somebody posted a pretty hilarious photo of like a chalk, bo- chalk body outline uh, of Favre after that play. I'll never forget. Where did that go? I lost the. I was going to look what? up the box score. Ask ah, it. Let's just say it was Joe Webb. That was it, though. I, I'm actually on Favre's uh, on Favre's page itself. Sure, his last season was 2010. Last. But it shows him. It shows a box score, but that's for the Lions of the of the Eagle. He did not play anymore. So, yeah, I know he never played again. So that that's that's the consolation I get for basically uh, fifteen years, man. Well, fifteen I mean, we, years. I'm sure we've got two Packer games where we'll get into this. But just the most, I re- distinctly remember when he finally, you know, he kept threatening to retire, which is why they drafted Aaron Rodgers. He kept threatening he wouldn't do it, or he would, and then he would decide, ah, screw it, I'm coming to training camp. He would unretire. When he finally retired, I'm like, thank God we are done with this guy. It's been a miserable. And then they replaced him with a guy who was better. I know. He was better. You've got to be fucking kidding me. It's like. So for, what, 25 (laughs) years now, we've been living with this. He was better. Like all of the sort of uh, yeah, he was you know, all of the Texas with fewer of the inter- the, the back breaking interceptions. I can't recall. Rogers like the the anti farm. In fact, I remember. And it, again, it's a, it's a moment that I appreciate. I was in attendance when the Bears under Nagy went to the playoffs, and Rogers had that interception streak uh, of of going. You know, I don't know if it, how much of a record setting streak it was. I mean, he he didn't throw pay. He was. Efficient and careful. Bears broke that streak that when, when Rodgers had no choice on a fourth down but to throw it into the end zone. That's what it took. Favre would just be like, oh, we're in field goal range. I'm going to chuck it up. Yeah, he was all what? of the Favre or uh, Rodgers was all of the big plays of Favre without all the mis- crippling mistakes. Yeah. Because that was the like one redeeming thing about Favre was that. Um, yeah. Yes, he would make unbelievable plays, but then he would also yeah. do just the dumbest thing possible and uh, give you a chance. Six interceptions against the Rams in a one. Uh, you know, uh, I think we said the, the Giants game. Um, uh, I think he had something to do with that Eagles game, which everyone blames on the Green Bay defense for blowing a fourth and, you know, 26 or something like that. I want to say that even in overtime, he got picked in that game. Yeah, it's a whole. There's a whole litany. We can save all that material for when we play the pack. Okay, so the reason I couldn't find the uh, the box score right away for this Bear Viking game was, in my mind, because it was Favre's last game. It was the last game of the season. It wasn't. It was the thirteenth right. game of the season. He just decided he was done, and it Correct. was Joe Webb who came in. Favre barely played. Um, yeah, because it was early in the game when, yeah. when he got knocked he got out. sacked for twelve yard loss. Corey Wooten, and then he was gone. Um, Devin ran back a punt, so I got that. I remembered that part right. Um, he had two punt return. He had a 64 yard punt return and then a three yard punt return. Um, and the Bears won 40 to 14. Without, and I believe without that looking- I believe they clinched their they clinched the division championship in the game, which is why in my mind I'm sure I've over time I've always thought well that was the end of the season. No, they had two more games, but they were 10 and right. four. Yep, yep. That was. Uh- you know, good time, short lived. Like I said, the following year when Cutler got hurt, it all seemed to go to shit. What are you going to do? 
I don't know. All right. Well, yeah, it's good. See, this is the perfect, perfect use of this podcast. We start with start with who's your favorite giant coach, and we end up on uh, end up on Brett Favre. And I will not forget Steve Owen. Now I do. I knew that somewhere, and now I'm deemed to never forget. I'm not it. sure if I if you hooked my brain up to whatever. If I'd ever ever even heard that name, I would think I have. But you must have. The sure. the only other thing is at the end of because. After him in the in the modern era, they had Ali Sherman. Yeah, who I was going to say, him. because of he, NFL films. Yeah, films. He was always interviewed by the Sable yeah. family for NFL films. Because he was available and he was close. So and they I told – and, and so I only know this because – and I told the story last year with you and Kyle, but like sometime about 18 years ago, and I do not – this will not go off on another tangent because we're going to leave it, but it was on the Mac, Yurko, and Harry show. Um, in like 18 years ago, yeah, problematic, but they could save that for another time. Um, I, the question was asked for a free WMVP AM 1000 t-shirt <laughs> name. There are three coaches at this point in NFL history who have been to the playoffs at least three times and never won a playoff game. And I started dialing my phone, not knowing the answer. And it quickly came to me because Mike fucking Ditka beat two of those coaches, Jim Mora and Buddy Ryan. Yeah. Uh, and I won my T-shirt when I – I don't know if I hogged two, both of those answers. I did not know the third, but I learned it was Ali Sherman who lost three consecutive title games in 61, 62 to the Packers, and 63 to the Bears. So I hope I brought it full circle yes, by bringing and, it back to the Giants. Right. In my mind, I can only go back as far as Ali Sherman. So I, I would have said, right. oh, it's probably Ali Sherman. Yeah, and he you're hosted right. the, uh, the original NFL matchup. Or not – yeah, I think he hosted. There were just two guys. I don't remember who the other guy was. And – they would go through that week's games and he was, you know, the coach who would talk about uh-huh. what they were going to do. And I just, I always remembered that. Right. Me too. From the eighties. Then when I learned like that guy never even wanted to, who is that guy? To talk? I mean, you know, it might be a little harsh, but yeah, three straight uh, playoff appearances never won a playoff game. So there's your giants. All right. Three, so we've, three times. Yeah. So we've, we thoroughly have beaten the giants <laughs> even before the bears play them. It'll be harder the next week because it's the Falcons. So they got a history that doesn't begin until 1970. But I'll have to, I'll have to get my wheels burning. Oh, we, got, we got Jerry Glanville and Eugene Robinson, there's, and, and there's stuff for everybody. Yeah, and Brian Urlacher basically owning Michael Vick's career, yeah. which was fun. So, yeah. All right. Well, until then, in due time. Thanks, Andy. Go Bears.